Welcome to Soaring the Sky Glider Pilots Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I'll be your host. This is episode 27. This episode is brought to you by Arizona Soaring Incorporated, the nation's largest provider of professional glider training. Since 1969, they provided training from initial private through CFI Glider and entry level through advanced aerobatics. Open year-round, seven days a week. More information is available at azsoaring.com. On today's episode, we first head down to Richmond, Virginia, and check back with Chris Snyder, who tells us about his first cross-country experience in his glider. He also tells us about what his club is doing to help out the Civil Air Patrol. Later on in this episode, we'll be heading out to Southern California and catch up with Joe Capra to see what he's been up to. And recently, he's purchased his very own glider. He tells us about that, as well as transitioning from a two-seater into a single-seater. All that today, right here on Soaring the Sky. Chris Snyder, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to talk to you again. How you been? Oh, Chuck, thanks. It's great to be back. Uh, I've been doing real well. I I have just been uh, loving the sky. Oh, great. Now, you were flying the DG-200 the last time we spoke. That's correct, and it's still a great ship. I I really I love having a flapped ship. I don't know how important they are, but it just gives, as as my buddy said, it gives your left hand something to do. Right, exactly. Recently, you've done a cross-country, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I had been really reluctant to leave that safe you know, glide range from home. I would push maybe out to about 20 to one, you know, the, the Udi would tell me, um, I'm really kind of getting near the edges of that safe zone. And, and that's about as far as I would push, especially in our area. There's really not much, uh, landable terrain, especially you know, in certain directions, particularly as, as it gets more urban to the East. So, not wanting to put my glider in the trees for sure, but not even in a field or anything in between. Um, you know, I would I would just keep the stress pretty low. But uh, it was maybe three weeks ago now, I, I took off without a lot of expectation because our, our club hotshot, you know, our OLC champion, he went up and came right back down. So I'm thinking, this is really, this isn't going to be a good day. We're, we're just going to, get a little pattern practice in and then we'll we'll come back and we'll just you know shoot the breeze well i get off tow and i did hear a call from the 233 that he had connected with some lift and he was bumping up cloud base at 4000 maybe you know 4500 and so i i catch a good thermal on tow and i'm up and i'm like oh okay well maybe, maybe this will work you know maybe maybe pete just got a little unlucky and so I start working that lift and I see the 233, which oftentimes the 233 is way above me. You know, I'm, I'm no great stick, but, uh, uh, you know, I'll certainly share a thermal if there's an obvious one. So I ease over to the 233 and, you know, just loving it. But I'm looking to the south and I see there's some rain down there. That's interesting. And so I cruise a little further, you know, down the road, listen to my, my buddy Pete's getting towed up for a relight. And uh, I look at that cloud again, and I'm like, that is bigger and darker than last time. So I radio down. I'm like, hey, guys, are you, are you tracking that rain? And they're all like, oh, yeah, I think it's going to pass south. It's going to pass south. I'm like, okay, kind of looks close. And so I pull up one of my, uh, my power flight apps. I use a Wing X, and it's got uh, the, the ADS-B radar in, and, 
and I'm actually low enough. I'm still catching it off the cell towers. And I check that cell, and I'm like, ugh, that cell is getting awful close to Merlin. And uh, it just keeps building, and I'm catching some big thermals now, like five, six, seven knots steady going up. And I'm thinking, this this air is a bit more dynamic than I had expected, right? And so that rain definitely is starting to build into some some storm, right? I, I hear somebody calling the radio. Yeah, we just saw lightning down past uh, Blackstone. You know, I'll be a you know be advised. So. By this time, my buddy Pete's up, and he's catching some good thermals. And so I'm like, hey, Pete, do, what do you think about that storm? He's like, uh, yeah, it's not looking too good. And so I'm about one minute from just popping the dive brakes, running you know, back to the runway. But even that's getting a little dicey because you know, I'm thinking, is there going to be a gust front in front of that storm? So I'm, I'm getting a little nervous, right? There's, this, is, this has got that hallmarks of you know, pilot error. And so I'm thinking, but Pete said, he's like, hey, why don't we go to Farmville, let that storm pass through? Uh, you know, that's a safe place. There's a big runway. The weather looks great that direction. So I'm thinking, all right, let's do this. Today's the day I'm going cross country. Nice. So, so I, you know, he and I, we, we find a nice cloud street running in that direction. And we're bouncing off the bottom of the clouds, 6,000 feet all the way. And thinking back to all those SSA webinars I'd heard, you know, running energy lines and, you know, taking it cross country. And I'm like, this is awesome. Why haven't I been doing this the whole time? You know, and I'm spotting <laughs> fields as I go. And the Udi's like, you could make it to Washington, D.C., you know. Um, not really, but, you know, it's being pretty optimistic about our, right. our and, and pretty soon we've got Farmville made, you know. And, and so I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And about that time, Pete's looking out, and he's he's been on gold distance flights. He's he's done this many many times. So he looks at those next clouds. And he's like, "Oh, Chris, I don't I don't know those those next clouds. They don't they don't look the same. They don't look quite as good." And I'm thinking now, I just come 25 miles. I'm good, right? I I know a cloud. <laughs> that cloud out there, Pete. That looks good, man. That looks real good. Let's just keep pushing because it's it's also right over the airport too, right? So I'm thinking, right, you know, safety. It's not like we're really, you know, pushing ourselves into a, a corner. And sure enough, Pete was right. Uh, I, you know, that we left that 6,000 foot cloud and I didn't find lift again for the next 40 minutes. And I was scratching and clawing and, and, uh, Pete's like, uh, maybe a little to the left, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm circling over this, you know, junkyard. I'm, I'm getting two knots up and I move a little left and there's nothing. I move a little right, nothing. And I'm just, I'm having to kind of keep creeping in closer and closer to that airport that's down there. And I'm like, Pete, I got to call on the radio. You know, we had switched to our chatter frequency. So I call up the ra- the, uh, the, the the approach frequency for uh, this classy airport, Farmville. And I say, yeah, hey, glider, you know, may need to land soon because there was another plane doing some touch and goes. And so he's like, okay, I'll, I'll hold here. You know, so now I'm like, oh gosh, now I got extra pressure because there's no taxiway. He can't taxi back if I'm just hanging off the end of his runway, and uh, and I'm just not having any luck. And so I'm like, oh, this is this is bad. I'm gonna have to, you know, my first cross country is gonna be my first land out, and I was really, really getting pretty pretty bummed. But I was like, you know what? Let's just put this thing down. 
having an arrow tow home or worst case having them bring the trailer no big deal let's just not you know break any fiberglass or or break any bones so i call farmville pattern i'm like all right glider transiting cross entering pattern and then whoa whoa, whoa you know beep 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 bump into a real strong thermal right about 1100 feet agl oh nice and complete with an eagle in it right he's already doing turns in it oh so wow i say i radio down real quick i'm like okay hey guys um i'm gonna i'm really trying to dig this out you you guys go to taxi back take off i'm, I'm holding here and so i'm and, and actually i'm making two knots two and a half i'm like wow this is that thermal this is that thermal and so I sit there and work that thermal for the next 15 minutes, must have been. Finally get back up to 4,000. Meanwhile, Pete's been holding my place over the city. And he's like, come back, you know, come join me. And, and we'll, we'll start working our way back. Because at this point, you know, I've been really struggling. So the, the day is wearing on. And even if, you know, at this point, the, the, the thermals are starting to get maybe a little weak and, and, and spotty. So, uh, but Pete locks us into a nice... 6300 foot to climb and our 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 msl is only about 200 feet so we're, we're well over 6,000 feet above the ground and uh udi says you know i've got about 800 feet pete got even a couple hundred feet higher he's like chris i really think we, we need to just set home because they're really the that storm that had come through just blew out the rest of the sky and so now I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I've only got 800 feet, and we're still 25 miles from home. I've never done a final glide, not a real one, right, where you, where you lock it in on, on, like, say, best glide or a little better and trust that flight computer. Oh, you want to talk about some stress, right? Here I am watching those numbers count down. And, and maybe, you know, there were a couple landable fields we have marked, but I really didn't want to try to – find them because they were they're they're tough to spot and i'm thinking that adrenaline starts flowing and i'll bet fields start looking real real tricky so that was the best feeling watching that still air just keep counting down and and you know the udi would drop maybe 10 feet in here but it'd pick up another 10 feet drop 10 feet pick up 10 feet so so she she did a good job you know a dg 200 did a good job bringing this home bring me home that day and uh i, I tell you what I, i've got a taste for it and i can't wait to go on my next cross country well congratulations what an awesome flight oh thank you yeah it, it was a it was a, a real treat and then you know th- everyone was waiting at back at base they opened up a bottle of wine we're here celebrating so it nice. you know, to be able to share a, a time like that with with all your your, your buzz at the, at the glider field it's just, it's a great sport. I, I really love soaring for that. Absolutely. Now, I know you, we talked about it before, you fly some power too, but have you done any towing lately? In the- you, know, you know, it's one of those things, it's it's a, a necessary evil, but for me, I try to put myself behind the tow plane more than in it. Um, <laughs> right. And and thankfully, you know, we've, we've recruited a bunch of good tow pilots. I will say there, there was one... You know, weekday where work was a little slow, and I, I heard the guys say, "Hey, we're headed out to do some soaring." I knew I couldn't, you know, go soaring. I didn't have that much time, but I figured, well, maybe I'll just go. I'll have lunch with them. I'll just hang out. And uh, the the fellow that was going to tow that day, he's like, "Well, since you're here, you know, can you tow me, and I'll just I'll go soaring." So 
that that worked out real well. That was a nice spontaneous, uh, you know, just just two toes. That's that's enough towing for me for a while. I'll go back <laughs> right. into the glider. But very thankful, very thankful to our tow pilots who work those long days, especially when we have all the students. Yeah, absolutely. That can get really busy for sure. Speaking of students, you all are doing something with the Civil Air Patrol now, right? That's right. Uh, in Virginia, uh, the Civil Air Patrol has a, a Blanick L-23, and uh, that they, they've struggled with their uh, program to keep enough tow pilots and glider pilots because they have more of a emergency services focus. And so when when I saw that it was being maybe a little underutilized and, and maybe even a chance that it, it might get moved to a you know a wing that was was doing more with them, I said, I'll bet if you all brought that glider out to Merlin, we could tow it up, um, and, and you know we a couple of our members will will join the the Civil Air Patrol, and we'll become uh, orientation pilots, and we'll be able to take the cadets up, and that's been uh, a real successful program. Um, we've we've you know, we average about 10 to 15 cadets a month. We'll, we'll get their first taste of soaring. And uh, the, the really neat thing is the, the Air Force pays for the cadets to have five uh, powered orientation flights as well as five glider orientation flights. So, oh, nice. you know, these kids, if, if they really get a taste for it, they'll be able to come back and do they have different you know, skills that they learn each time. And, uh, you know, a few of them have, have even gotten to do some thermaling and, and stay up a little longer. But, you know, really, we're just we're introducing, you know, a, another generation. And I tell you, these kids are they're so pumped to do it. They, they so look forward to it. Uh, this weekend, we, we've got a group coming from maybe about 100 miles across the state of Virginia. And uh, and they're going to they each tur- take turns running the wings, so they get the full experience. You know, we get them running some of the ground ops. Um, they're always shadowed by a you know a, a senior member or a you know a Merlin member, whose whose job it is to to maintain a safe environment. But as much as we can, we we get these kids fully involved, and and we expect that we're going to start to see them come back into the flight training program. Yeah, they're definitely getting a, the whole experience of soaring. That's very cool. The whole operation just. Yeah, and, and it's something that, you know, it takes a little bit of, of logistical working out. But, uh, you know, I, I know, I believe there's over 30 gliders. So not quite one glider per state. But um, if folks living you know, in other states, you know, find out about their civil air program, you know, potentially they can they can work with the Civil Air Patrol if, if they find a similar situation. And the Civil Air Patrol also allows states that don't have gliders to work with clubs. And um, clubs can then supply, say, like a 233 for the, the cadets to go up in as well. That's, that's a great idea to get those clubs involved in that when normally, you know, it's something you don't always think about. But that's that's very cool that you all are doing that. And yeah, it's a great idea for other clubs to start doing that. Yeah, you know, as as we all look for ways to to try to engage with, you know, keep keep soaring uh, as a growing sport. Uh, you know, this this is a, a group of of young people that are very passionate about aviation. And, you know, that's generally why they join it. They they have maybe a a desire to go to a service academy or or get their pilot's license. And um, I think 
all of us in the sport of soaring know what a great way to, to start off an aviation career, if you will, uh, or even just, you know, a, a hobby is to do it in gliders. And, and, you know, a couple pilots that I know that fly both, they started in gliders and it was a very easy transition for them to move into airplanes. It is. Yeah, it, it is a great start. It's, it's really when possible should be the first start. You know, I think gliders should be the, the way you go and then move on from there. If you want to fly other aircraft. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I tell folks that, uh, you know, it, it's, how else spending four hours in, in the Piper Cherokee, I better be getting somewhere really interesting, right? I think it was about six hours to get down to sun and fun this year and we were all whooped, but four hours in my glider, it goes by and I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I could have done this differently or I could, I should have stretched that corner a little further. You know, there's just, it's such a different experience, you know, and it's one too, where sharing thermals with, with other pilots is just, Oh, it's just it's magic. It is. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Chris, thanks for joining me again on the podcast. It's been great to catch up with you. And oh, we'll... absolutely, Chuck. It, it's it's a pleasure to go to to be on again. And I tell you, I, I always look forward to to each episode and uh, just just love love everything that I'm hearing on the podcast. You all as guests have been great and have really been a great help to me. And it's it's just kind of all worked out and i'm having a lot of fun but I'm, I'm learning a lot myself which is also very very cool oh that's great yeah it's it, it, it's a great thing you're doing for the sport so thanks for doing all that you're doing thanks again chris always great to have you on the podcast next we head out to southern california and check with joe capra and see what he's been up to lately joe how are you doing thanks for having me again chuck it's been a while since uh, i was last on the podcast um, absolutely I think at that time, yeah, I was still flying the ASK-21, you know, two-seater. I was, you know, I was I was ready to go into a single-seater, but I was, for some reason I was a little bit hesitant just because, you know, obviously I haven't flown, you know, you can't fly a single-seater with an instructor. So I was, you know, just a little hesitant like probably everybody is. And so, you know, it, I had it all planned and, you know, I was, I was going to do it at some point and it kind of just happened un happened unexpectedly. I showed up and I, you know, I had a glider reserved and the one that I had reserved, something happened with the wheel and they had to replace the wheel and they're waiting for the mechanic and this and that. And so they said, well, the, the single seat Grobe is, uh, is free. <laughs> if you want to fly that, you can take that. So I kind of was not forced into it, but it, you know, it just, it just came upon me and I said, okay, well now, now I guess is better time than ever. So Kind of how the solo gets put on you, right? Like, oh, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was the same, same kind of thing. And you know, I was, I was ready, and I looked at the manual for that glider, and uh, it, it's a Grobe 102 uh, standard 3B or something like that. All the the Grobes have weird, you know, a bunch of different variations. But anyways, I'd looked at the manual for it and the speeds and everything. So I was, re I was ready, but I wasn't, you know, it's, yeah, it's like that thing when all of a sudden the instructor hops out and they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> you're on your own. So it's kind of that is like, oh, I guess this is happening. So I sat in the glider and uh, the, the single seat of the Grobe and, uh, you know, just checked everything out and had them sort of go over things with me of, you know, what to check on the pre-flight and, you know, because things are a little bit different. So spent some time with it just on the ground and finally took it up. And that flight was actually a pretty interesting flight because uh, the tow pilot, I talked to him afterwards, 
well, let me actually just start with what happened. <laughs> so, you know, I got in and, you know, lined up on the runway. Everything was good. Tow plane starts going and uh, everything's good. You know, I lift off and maybe once we get up to about 50 to 100 feet, I, I notice I'm really, really low and can't get much higher. And it felt like we were just going really, really slow. And so I didn't know if it was just me or the glider or what's going on. But, you know, I kept trying to stay level with the tow plane and I just was kind of kept just wallowing in the back of the tow plane. And I'm like, this is really weird and kind of freaky. You know, I looked at the airspeed indicator and it looked like, you know, we were going pretty slow. So I told him to add, you know, five knots and that helped. But I still kind of was like just wallowing in the back, just just kind of nose was getting a little high and it didn't feel right. So I told him to add another five knots. So he finally got up to about, you know, 60, 65, whatever it was. And, uh, and everything was, was pretty good after that, but that was a scary thing kind of to, to happen in, you know, on your first flight in a, in a single seater is we were just going way too slow on tow and it was very hard to control the glider and stay in position. So that was an interesting start to this flight, but, uh, I talked to the tow pilot afterwards and he thought, well, this is a, you know, it's a single seater. It's not one of the heavy ASKs. You know, I can, I can tow a little bit slower. And, um, so I guess that's what he did. And apparently it didn't, didn't work too well. (laughs) Oh um, yeah. And what a, what a time to find that out when it's your first ride in a single seater. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was very, it was, uh, it it was an interesting, interesting takeoff i'll tell you that <laughs> but, but everything turned out good i went up and um i don't know probably just flew around for a half hour but the difference between you know the heavy ask's the two seaters and the small single seat grobe was amazing i mean the the thing was so light and nimble and i was just like oh my god this is this is awesome <laughs> so oh, immediately yeah, i was i was hooked and having fun in that thing it's just you know it, it was it was awesome so I did a few more flights in that. I think probably probably only like three or four. And then at uh, the Soaring Academy where I fly, they they post up you know listings for gliders for sale. And some guy was selling his Grobe 102 Astir CS. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's kind of like the one I flew. And you know, eh. I was kind of just kept looking at the ad, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I decided to ask you know the guys at the Soaring Academy, hey, can I can I go look at actually just look at that glider and see you know just just look at it and sit in it and whatever and so they were really cool and and we got it out of the trailer and you know i sat in it and looked it over and i'm like okay it's pretty good shape you know the price is reasonable a little bit higher than what it you know i think it should have been but that aside i you know i looked at a few times actually and then i decided okay i think i can i think i can pull this off i mean this that glider if it flies like the the first single seater I flew, the Grobe 102, whatever, I guess it was standard 3B, you know, it would be an awesome glider to own as a first glider. I mean, I know it's not, it's nothing crazy. It's not a great, you know, competition glider, you know, anything like that. But for, for me at my level, I was like, you know, that's kind of the perfect thing. It's a small single seater. It's got like 38 to one glide ratio, I think is what it's advertised as. So that's pretty good. The the only difference that was a little, you know, I was a little worried about is that, you know, it was a tail dragger, which I hadn't flown any tail dragger gliders. And that was a little, that's a little different. So I was kind of like, oh, you know, is it, is it going to be harder to land and take off and, and do all that? But after flying it, it, uh, come to find out it's, it's just the same as the other ones. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it seemed to fit the bill perfectly for what, you know, kind of, I guess I was looking for as a uh, first glider. I mean, I actually wasn't really looking to buy a glider, but it was there. And uh, so, yeah, it, it fit the bill for, you know, something that I would, I would, could see myself in for first, first glider. So I thought about it and, and started looking actually on wings and wheels after I, I got really into like, you know, looking at gliders to buy, you know, just the cheapest ones. I wasn't going to spend 30 grand or 40, you know, anything crazy on, uh, on one at this point. Yeah. So I, I you know, I thought it over. I, I looked at it a few times again and just decided to go ahead and, you know, put in an offer and, and try to buy it. And it worked out. I ended up buying it. That's what I've been flying ever since. I've had probably five or six, four to four and a half hour flights in it so far. And Oh, very it's really, cool. <laughs> it's really comfortable. It's really fun to fly. Yeah, and it's just I got oxygen in it, which is good, so I can hang out higher altitudes for longer. So that was really cool. It's got an audio variometer, which is what I've wanted one of those ever since I started flying cuz you know, I I found myself I kept looking at the vario and I know you don't really need to or shouldn't, but I kept doing it and I was like, well, if I just had some audio tone telling me, you know, I wouldn't have to, you know, keep looking at the very and I can keep my eyes out. So that that was really cool. But yeah, I mean it's it's been very it's been a very interesting learning experience. Just, you know, now you got to worry about all the stuff related to ownership and getting annuals and getting mechanics to fix things and sign off on things and this and that and it's a lot of uh, extra stuff you kind of need to learn and uh get to know quickly because you know you now own this thing and are responsible for it so i've been pretty busy with that and also just kind of fixing it up doing things like that so if you back up a little bit when you purchase the glider because being in a club like you and i i mean i don't that's not something i've done yet so it's not something i think about but you know you just go to the club you if the glider is available you go and you go fly but what was that like? So you purchased it, and then obviously you have to check out all the paperwork, make sure everything's good, make sure it's flight-worthy. If not, then you have to get that checked out. But just kind of walk me through it. Um, yeah, so, you know, pretty much everything you said is, you know, the, the purchase process is pretty easy. You know, you just agree on a price and hand over the money, and, uh, you know, you know, he gives you the reg- registration and all the, you know, all the stuff. And before I purchased it, I, I had an annual inspection done. It was actually due for an annual inspection, um, but I was just going to do it anyways, just to have it checked out and, you know, make sure everything is still good. And so I got the annual, um, you know, before I purchased it and then went ahead and purchased it. That's I had a couple of things I had to fix. I had to kind of fix the brakes a little, uh, get a new tow hook, you know, things like that. And that that actually kind of took a while just because... I had to figure out what parts I needed, what was the what was the right wheel on there, what was the right tire size and what kind of tow hook was in there and then waiting, you know, to get to get a mechanic out to to actually install it and sign it off and you know, do all that. It was some work initially up front just just getting it and I I haven't done this before obviously, so I didn't really know what, you know, what I was supposed to do you know, the, the process and everything, but, you know, obviously I knew the FARs and things that need, you know, you need to have done and all that. Yeah. I, I, I found it really hard just, just trying to find exactly what part I needed, you know, so that I can buy a replacement or an alternate. And this glider, um, is not an experiment, doesn't have an experimental 
certificate. So it's standard. So everything has to be, you know, TSO'd and approved, all of that stuff. So it's, it made it a little bit harder to kind of do things and you can't really work on it as much yourself as you could if it was experimental. So there's a lot of things I wanted to do, but couldn't really do myself. Yeah, that's interesting because that's not something I would think about right away, you know, not being experimental, putting you in different guidelines. There were a lot of things that, you know, I know I could do myself, <laughs> like installing the tow hook, for example, is it was a very easy process. You unscrew four bolts, you put the thing in and, you know, put the four bolts back in and torque them down and that's it. And, you know, that's something I could have done myself. But, you know, being, I guess, I, I'm, I'm assuming you would have to get it done by a mechanic with an experimental maybe again i don't know all the rules with with that but um yeah you know it was something i had to have a mechanic do and then they got to sign off for it and that was actually a big pain because not having the mechanic do it but just just finding what tow hook was actually in there so you know they have different varieties of them and they have different uh levers length of levers that go on the thing that you know the cable hooks to and pulls it so you know we had to kind of pull it out and put a little camera in there to kind of take a picture of it. And then I sent that to Wings and Wheels and they kind of identified it for me. And then they didn't have the one that I needed in stock. So we got a different one and the mechanic had to modify it and kind of cut this lever off. And it's just like all of this stuff. And it's just like, geez, I'm like, I just I, I don't want to be tinkering with this anymore. I just want to fly it, you know, at that point. Yeah, right. <laughs> it probably took me two months before I was able to really fly it to get all the just stuff that needed to get done and find the right things. And so it was a, yeah, it was a, you know, interesting uh, experience, but now that I've done it and, you know, I don't want to dissuade anybody from doing it. I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, there were just all these little things that for me that I had to go through and before I can actually get it flying. And yeah, but it's uh, now that I own a glider, it's so much better <laughs> than, uh, than having to go and rent one first. First of all, is you don't have to, you know, there's no schedule. So yeah. you fly whenever you want to fly. Um, you can stay up as long as you want. Where I fly, you know, on weekends, I think it's only, you can only really rent most of the gliders for two hours. So if it's a really awesome day and you want to stay up for, you know, four or five hours, like I've been doing, you can't really do that. So it helps, you know, with that is I can stay up as long as I want. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and you're only paying for a tow. So it's making it cheaper so every time I go fly, you know, it's less than a hundred bucks, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, compared to what it would be if I was, you know, renting. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of advantages. There's also little things that are, you know, like when you rent, you just show up at the field, you hop in, take off and fly and come back down and, and uh, just kind of drop the glider off and then hop back in your car and leave. But with, you know, owning your own, mine, I don't store it in the trailer because this glider is kind of a pain to, you know, rig and de-rig. So I keep it rigged and uh, covered out in the open. But, you know, I show up probably an hour and a half beforehand and I got to take, you know, take all the covers off, you know, do all do all that kind of stuff. Just get it ready to fly. And then when I land after, you know, five hours flying, you're, you're pretty tired and it's towards the end of the day. And then you land and you got to put all the covers back on. You got to prepare it, you know, get it tied down and make sure everything's good until you know, next time you fly. And so that adds a couple, you know, like an hour on either end of it. So it's, it's just another little, little thing that you have to do. You know, it's not as easy as just showing up flying and then landing and just taking off. So it ends up taking, you know, it ends up taking most of the day when I go fly to, to, uh, um, 
prepare it before I fly and then after I land and get it ready for the night, you know? Not a bad trade-off, though, to have your own glider and, like you said, fly when you want to fly, stay up as long as you want to stay up, and just the convenience. And, of course, not having to rent a glider. All that is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's the the benefits definitely outweigh those little things that you got to do extra that, you know, you don't have to do when you're renting. But yeah, it's it's I love it. It's it's awesome having my <laughs> having my own glider. I mean, I couldn't I mean, I could see myself still renting at this point if I didn't own this. But after a certain point, I would go, oh, you know, OK, this is it's getting pretty expensive at renting and, uh, you know, I'm limited and, you know, if I wanted to change my mind on the day I'm flying, I, you know, I can't really do that because there's a schedule. So it's, yeah, it, after a while, I probably would have eventually started looking for something to buy. But this one just happened to show up and it was, it was perfect. It actually, uh, ha- I guess it'd been on the same field, I think, since maybe the, the 70s. So it's a 1977 Grobe. So it's pretty old. Okay. Um, still in great shape. But it's been, I think, at that field pretty much the whole time. And the the guy who uh, runs the Soaring Academy now, he owned it for five or six years. And uh, it's actually pretty funny is people, you know, all the all the other guys who have private guys who have gliders, uh, you know, parked there. They all see it and recognize it and recognize the tail numbers and everything. Like that. And, you know, I, I talked to these people and they're like, oh, yeah, I flew that. You know, I did my first cross country in that thing. And, oh, yeah, you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of. Uh, memorable flights in that thing so it seems like everybody there has kind of flown it and knows it oh nice (laughs) lots of history yeah it's it's uh you know it's been there for a while and that's what's you know i guess good about it is people kind of knew it and knew how it was you know taken care of and how it was treated and everything so that kind of you know made the decision a little easier too is that you know these people sort of know its history and it's not i'm buying something from some random guy who you know don't really know how well he kept it up or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, owning your own glider is, uh, is really awesome if you can, you know, afford, you know, they range from, I've seen them from 8,000 all the way, you know, obviously to really expensive, but you can get in a, in a pretty good, uh, glider for, you know, eight, ten thousand $10,000. Yeah. And that's a good used car. Yeah, it's 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 well worth it. And like somebody said to me, they said, you know, we never really own these gliders. We're we just pretty much rent them. So, you know, meaning, yes, you own it and you've bought it, but, you know, you sell it and, you you know, you get a different one. And so after five or six years, if I'm sick of this, I want to get another one. You know, you can just you sell it and they, they pretty much hold value assuming everything, you know, is well maintained and whatever. So yeah, it's not like it, you know, it's a good chunk of money up front, but, um, you know, when you sell it, you know, you've basically just rented it that, that whole time for very, very cheap. So it ends up actually working out. And that's why I think it, it's such a good benefit to, to actually owning one. So you've had some pretty long flights in that glider. Is there one that stands out? So there's at the mountains where we fly, there's, there's a mountain called Mount Baldy, which is, uh, maybe 22 to 25 miles away from the airport. And I know a lot of people go over it and fly around it. To me, it always seemed a little bit far, you know, at least for my experience level to, to try to get over there. Um, there's this big valley that you, well, you're not supposed to cross it, but a lot of people just go across this valley. And I've, I was told stories that people tried to cross this valley and didn't make it back and they ended up landing in the <laughs> 
landing in this valley. So, you know, there's an alternate way to get there is just kind of go along a little mountain range and then kind of cut in. So I'd kind of been eyeing it and figuring if I can make it there. And I'd always wanted to go fly over that. One of the days in flying in my, uh, in my glider, I was, I was high enough and the conditions seemed good enough. I just said, screw it. So I headed straight towards it and, uh, and made it over this. So that was, that was, you know, a little accomplishment, uh, for me to just actually have, have made it over there and to make it all, you know, in my own glider was pretty cool. I've just been had, having fun flying it, you know, it's, um, and the fact that I own it and all that just makes it that much better. Your first glider that you own, that was really cool just to actually, you know, be in it finally flying and not, you know, messing around with it on the ground for the last two months. So once I finally yeah, got it sure. up in the air, it was, it was, a, it was really cool to actually just get it up there and, and, you know, get it flying. So, um, yeah, it's been great so far. Joe, thank you for talking to me today and catching up. It, it's, it's been good to hear from you again. And it sounds like you've had quite the adventure, you know, having your own glider is a very cool one. Looking forward to hearing about those flights in the future that you're going to have with that and wow you already got the onboard oxygen you're ready to go so you're hooked up for some fun <laughs> yeah thanks again uh, for having me and uh, i'll keep you keep you posted i'm gonna i'm kind of at the point where i want to you know start start pushing out a little bit further away from the airport so um that's kind of my next my next thing i might get a you know flight computer and yeah and just you know kind of start pushing my boundaries so it's, it's definitely definitely going to be uh some more learning and uh and fun in the future so thank you joe and thank you chris thanks for stopping by it's, it's nice to catch up with both of you and thank you for listening to soaring the sky you can catch us online instagram as well as facebook those are soaring the sky podcast you can also get us at soaringthesky.com some pictures of our guests catch up on the episodes you can do that right there too catch up on all the episodes you haven't heard yet if you'd like to drop us a line you can also do that if you just want to say hi tell us where you're listening from if you're a glider pilot and you'd like to share your story just email me at chuck at soaringthesky.com we hope to see you back here next time for another great guest on soaring the skies